0: Our scripture passage this morning is from the prophet Isaiah chapter six, verses one through eight. Listen now for a word from God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces, With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, meet us here where we are today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, I was gathered around a dinner table with a group of friends, and the topic of ChatGPT came up. ChatGPT is an artificial intelligence chat box It can make up stories, it can solve math equations, it can even have conversations with you. We tested this out on some poetry, and then someone wondered aloud if it could write a sermon. Well, I wanted to test this out while preparing for this sermon, and I wanted to do so to prove a point. I expected it to be terrible. So I typed in, write me a sermon about Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, and it shot back a 20-minute sermon in under 10 seconds. Very disappointing, considering how long I had spent (laughs) working on this sermon at that point. I asked it then to write a short one. Same deal. Intro, body, conclusion, faster than I could even read the scripture passage Here is the conclusion of one of those sermons. It says, Encountering God's holiness humbles us, reveals our need for forgiveness, and calls us to respond. Like Isaiah, let us acknowledge our sin, receive God's cleansing, and respond to his call with humility and willingness. May our encounters with God transform our lives and empower us to serve him wholeheartedly. Mike and I looked at each other after reading this, and he said, Well, looks like you're out of a job. (laughs) But the longer I stared at it, the more I could hear the profound words of one person sitting at the dinner table that evening. He said, I bet ChatGPT could write a sermon, but it doesn't know God. And so I read through all the different bodies of the sermons with that in mind, and it revealed exactly what he said. The body of the 100-word sermon read, Isaiah saw the Lord high and exalted, surrounded by seraphim. In the presence of God's holiness, Isaiah confessed his sinfulness and cried out for forgiveness. God cleansed him and commissioned him for service. The longer sermons said more of the same. The statements aren't wrong, but what's missing is the actual transformation that it talks about in the conclusion. The AI repeated the right ideas and came to a logical interpretation of what it means, but it had clearly never had an encounter with the living God. Unfortunately, we as Christians often fall into the same pattern, and it happens at all stages. It's the child reciting the memory verse in Sunday school. It's the confirmation student whose statement of faith looks identical to the Apostles' Creed. The worship attender saying the Lord's prayer without having to think twice. It's even the seminary student who regurgitates the theological concepts in class for a passing grade. The thing is, these stages are essential. We have to have a foundation of our faith, and we might come to the right conclusion because of them. But if we remain here, we miss the transformational work of God in all their glory. And Isaiah experiences this in a profound way. Funny enough, his experience is mirrored in something that we're actually a part of right now. First, he gathers. He gathers with the seraphs in a place where he experiences the Lord. And then he hears praises, singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. He confesses and prays to God when he says, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He listens to the words of the Lord when he says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And finally he responds when he says, Here I am, send me. Our worship services match this flow so well. And these services are Times and places when we can experience God in meaningful ways, in ways that teach us, in ways that challenge us, and takes us past the root memorization of faith concepts. But sometimes we ourselves can get in our own way. We don't quite get the response part. We often refer to that as our calling. Theologian Jurgen Moltmann describes it like this. He says, Our eyes are open, but we don't see. Our ears are open, but we don't hear. It means we don't live wakefully in reality. We are asleep in the agreeable dreams of our fantasy world. Isaiah's vision at first glance looks sure like a dream. But when you read closer, you see that God is revealing himself in a way that is so incredible that it puts Isaiah's whole life into perspective. He doesn't even know what God is calling him to exactly, but he knows in his whole being that he will follow. Our calling starts with letting ourselves revel in the mystery. See, when I was first learning how to drive my car, my parents decided to try to teach me manual. I had to learn what it meant to be in first gear versus fifth, and I had to know what happened when I pressed the clutch. There was no use going anywhere in that car without me first understanding how it worked. Thankfully, I was not called to anything related to cars. Um, My parents only put up with two terrible months of stick shift driving before switching me to an automatic. But I was called to work with people. And that stemmed from me myself being transformed by God through the reading of scripture and through the participation in Christian community. This transformation happened in unexpected ways and in unexpected places. See, our callings are so much more than just our jobs, our schools, the neighborhoods that we live in. And like Isaiah, each coming moment living out that call is a mystery. When we respond to God by saying, here I am, send me, we don't always know what we might be getting ourselves into. But there's no use searching for our calling without first understanding the inner workings of the one who is calling us. Isaiah's call story starts off by referring to the year that King Uzziah died. And I think that that's a very important part of the story. See, King Uzziah was a king of Judah for 52 years. During that time, there was incredible economic prosperity. It was the height of their military power and their political influence. Even through all of that, King Uzziah died because he started to think that that prosperity was all his own doing. Maybe there was one point that he was overwhelmed by the holiness of God, but he forgot it. It became about him, became about his prosperity. He forgot that he was just an earthly king. And we see through the prophecy of Isaiah that our earthly desires pale in comparison to the glory of God. The closest thing I've come to that is what I like to call a Jesus high. After a retreat or a mission trip or a very powerful worship service, at those times I'll experience God tangibly. And there have been experiences like that where then my life I knew was going to change from that point forward. Maybe you've experienced something like that as well. Those unfortunately never seem to last. Which is why God never stops revealing Himself in our lives. In God's great love, they understand our tendencies to be bogged down by the world, to turn inward for answers. And because of that, God's work never ends. God, the Creator, puts a mark of beauty in everything that was created, in the stillness of the trees after a snowfall, the serenity of the lake at sunrise, in our neighbors with generous hearts who bring us vegetables from their garden, God the Redeemer who demonstrated a life of love through everyday actions and his incredible sacrifice he made for our redemption And God, the sustainer, is at work in our souls, guiding us, teaching us, revealing himself to us. And in this combined work of the Trinity, we have the gift of being able to look past ourselves to the bigger purpose. We have the gift of change that happens through forgiveness. We have the gift of not being responsible for deciding the fate of the world only for constantly searching for God's revelation so that God's power can work through us. This is what ChatGPT can't experience. Love, cleansing, transformation. And luckily, we are not called to be robots of faith. Every chance you get, open your eyes to the beautiful ways God is revealing himself to us in this world. We've been given an incredible gift that we can get a glimpse of that heavenly reign, just a glimpse. And when we witness the holiness of God, our lives can't help but change. God calls us to so much more than even we expect from ourselves. And this mysterious calling is sometimes hard and sometimes confusing. Continue to read Isaiah's chapter, see what happens to him after this calling. So let us lean in with trust, with curiosity, with humility, seeking to truly know God with all of our hearts and let God hear us loud and clear Here I am, Lord. Send me. Amen.